Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. We are, of course, talking about Jon Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man. And joining me again today is uh, Chrissy Lenz and Nathan Blackwell from the most excellent 80s movies podcast. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, thanks for having us on. Glad to have you. Glad to dig in a little more to this minute. And it's nice to finally get the reveal of that actual mask that we were hinted at in the last minute, but we didn't really get to see what exactly it was that Tony was working on. On today's show, the minute, of course, starts with Tony proving just how steady Yinsen's hands are by dropping the Mark I mask on the table in front of him while he's delicately soldering. And it ends with Raza interrupting his men's break by making them run to check on the prisoners. This is the mask. We finally get to see that mask in all its glory. And it's exciting. It's steaming. It looks like they, they, unless it's a digital effect, it looks like they actually had a hot mask that they dipped in water. You actually see it kind of steaming off and then the water evaporating off of it. Uh, if it is a digital, it, it's a nice touch. Yeah, definitely. That's a tiny little detail that makes it seem so cool. Yeah, I, I love that look. And I, I love to think that they t- were trying to do stuff practically. I mean, how hard is it to just put a hot mask in some boiling water and then just take it out and set it and just watch that evaporation and watch the steam pulling away from it. And you can see the moisture, like you were saying, the lines of the moisture moving across it. I I like to think that it's practical because it just looks so stinking cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it, it doesn't need to be like hundreds of degrees hot. It only has to be like boiling water hot, you know? Right. Yeah. Just boil a pot of water throw the metal in it, and then pick it up with tongs and drop it on the table. Yeah, You don't even need Robert Downey Jr. to do it. <laughs> don't burn the actor. Get the get the prop master to handle that. Yeah, you have a production assistant in charge of the boiling water. Guys, if you're making home- <laughs> movies at home, don't burn the actor. This is our montage, guys. We get the montage. Love it. Yes. And so it's like, it's like a mix of a training montage and like a tooling up montage where people are like locking and loading their mm-hmm. guns. It's a robot building... It's almost like the A team. <laughs> a little bit of everything. Yeah. You know, it's like with the A team, you'd have them like, you know, soldering stuff and hammering things down and like bringing in materials and everyone's sweating and everyone's giving each other a thumbs up. And then you see, you finally see like the finished result. And it's just kind of like a, a small <laughs> ledge that they could all jump down on the bad guys from or something. Well, it's, it, it was kind of like when he's putting the tape and stuff like in between his fingers. I don't know. There was some stuff where it was just like, oh, wow, they he really thought this through because I definitely wouldn't have taken the extra step to like tape in between the fingers, you know, and there's just so many layers and stuff that they would have had to like sew. Did they have a sewing machine? It's a lot of costuming. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on other than just the actual iron suit mm-hmm. just the, this metal suit you know he's got the heavy duty gloves that he's putting on and kind of like you said kind of the the, the boxer mm-hmm. tape or whatever it is for for his hands to kind of protect them and the coat and everything and it, you know i'm wondering if it's like some form of a flame retardant coat or something because i'd feel like if, if people are are shooting at it or launching missiles at this suit and i feel like the metal is gonna has the potential to heat up so you want something between you and that metal so you're not just like, you know, getting giant burns on your skin mm-hmm. from, 
from that. And it, and it looked like the collar in yeah. particular looked like something you would you would wear when you're welding something big with like a, a you know a big arc welder or something that's going to throw throw a lot of sparks and throw a lot of heat that you would have like a big tall collar like that. So I guess it makes sense that it would be part of his kit, part of the things he asked for in his writer. It's so nice that everything is so physical and real and and we're able to kind of imagine what it would feel like what it would it would you know because we, with a lot of these like fantastic superhero stuff the stuff that we were later going to see with with Iron Man like this feels real and it's it's a it's a moment where you want to feel like you're building a hero with uh, Tony Stark all these pieces they're like stuff that you've seen in real life. There's something about the way that he's doing it. And yeah, it just feels so, so clunky and big, but it, you can see it working still. And it reminds me of the first Spider-Man movie when he kind of makes his own little homemade Spider-Man suit and goes to the boxing thing to, to earn mm-hmm. the money. It's just kind of fun to see these heroes trying to, you know, do their the first time and, and, you know, first time out of the gate. And it's so rough and tumble and, you know, just a little sloppier. And and I really like that about this, because in the context of who Iron Man is, I mean, you've got these these raw welding lines across this chest piece that he's kind of getting himself put into lowered down on him and and everything just feels kind of just you know like they only just finished it which technically they did because they only had 24 hours to really do it but i just (laughs) i like the way that it feels because it, it does have that sense of this raw visceral quality that i think works really well for who mm-hmm. this guy is right and and dangerous because you know the, those welding lines could snap the yeah. they could shoot right into the arc reactor in his chest right they could shoot right into the giant eye holes there's a lot of risk you know <laughs> right it could all crumble and fall apart it's not perfect it's not safe and, and you definitely need this kind of bridge from where he starts off in the beginning of the movie as a real person to where we're eventually going to go with Iron Man. Yeah, right. Getting that, how we're going to kind of transition and see the character arc as he as he is growing and becoming the new Tony Stark, mm-hmm. kind of the, the representation of who he is through the suit is also going to change over the course of the film. He, he's, build, he's building a, a brand new persona. And at first it's going to be a little clunky and awkward. And- right. It's not going to look great. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take some time to slim down and get really efficient and, and look good. But I think I, I like, too, that how detail-oriented and how many things, you know, you, like, get a sense that Tony is really able to multitask and keep, you know, he always seems like he has 50 million things happening in his mind at any given time and he definitely does you know because they're memorizing how many steps until you turn right how many steps forward like you know he he thought the entire thing through from the knuckle tape to how many steps it's going to take him so he doesn't get lost in the cave because it doesn't have gps yet yeah and, and that's a great touch because then we as audience members are trying to <laughs> very briefly remember like the information that he's trying to remember, you know, how many steps left, how many steps right. We're really kind of um, 
experiencing what he's experiencing right now. And getting very stressed out that he's going to put on this heavy suit and, and be like, oh, God, how many steps? I lost. I got to go back. <laughs> I, for, I didn't count. That Yeah, that's literally what I do anytime that comes up with a movie, just like anytime right. someone has to hold their breath. There's this this is part of me is like, oh, I've been holding my breath for 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just right. You're like, was that 41 out. steps or did he did he turn down the wrong hallway? <laughs> There's a whole 20 minute deleted yeah. scene where he's like, oh, geez, I am. I was just in the break room. I'm just here. <laughs> right. I'm lost. <laughs> I'll go back and start all yep. over again. <laughs> oh, there is a boardroom here. Two, three, four, four steps, turn left. Yeah. It's it is funny because we do see a, a brief shot as Raza's watching on the screen trying to figure out what's going on and he sends his men to go look. There is a like a ladder or like a some almost like stairs behind them, but in no sense through oh, yeah. this entire film. Or through like looking at the the blueprints in the books or anything like that, has it ever seemed like this is a multi level cave? Yeah. It's always looked like just a mm-hmm. single level cave. So it's just very funny. As I looked at that, I'm like, why do they have a set of like <laughs> stairs back in the back there? Someone was changing the air filters. <laughs> is that what that is? <laughs> Maybe there's a little tiny upper level where some people sleep. I don't know. It's just, it was one of those little things. I'm like, why is there stairs back there? Yeah, it's a neat touch. Yeah. I've done some spelunking and I will say this cave is a very, I mean, it's designed to look like a cave with cave walls and everything. But mm-hmm. in every other context, it looks very much like a set because it's so perfectly flat. And I've never walked through <laughs> a cave that has such a beautifully flat floor as this one does. These guys did a great job. Yeah, they did. They, I mean, I, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming that these terrorists have been living here so long that they've actually done some cleaning and some. They've probably uh, done some, thrown in some dynamite, trying to kind of clean it up and make it look a little more workable for where they're going to be mm-hmm. living and sleeping and, and doing everything because they're hiding. Nobody, They don't want anybody to know where they are. It's a very spacious cave, though. There are lots of, of chambers and rooms and places to run to and run from and hide people. That's definitely um, a high-end market cave. That's prime cave real estate. And it makes me wonder if there's a tunnel that they haven't gone down yet, that if they do, it will take them to where the albino cannibals live that would inevitably mm. eat them yeah almost certainly we can, <laughs> we can get we can get the descent yeah. films tied into the mcu somehow yeah let's here let's check the deleted scenes mm-hmm. see, if, they've got <laughs> see if we can find something there or if there's like maybe a cave realtor who's like this is a four-bedroom cave um it's really nice and spacious <laughs> but if you want something you know a little bit more roomy you know you're gonna have to watch out because it does have descent monsters in it it's got a pool but inside that pool are cave dwelling monsters <laughs> albino cannibals. right it's just you may want to avoid that you may want to avoid yes that. <laughs> just fyi <laughs> that's why it's so cheap <laughs> right <laughs> the shot of that suit coming down over tony when it lines up perfectly with the RT device in his chest. I love how they actually built that, where he's got the circle mm-hmm. in the front of his suit, which is completely unneeded, right? There's no it seems logical like, reason uh, to have You don't that. want that exposed? That's the piece of you that makes you die. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and have a little piece. I, I, I mean, it must be reinforced glass or something, because obviously bullets aren't getting through right. there either. 
But I mean, let's face it, it looks pretty stinking cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we do, as I mentioned, we do have Raza. Again, I don't know what these guys are doing, but he was obviously doing something. Maybe he was in the bathroom and now he's walking back up to the monitors and he's uh, checking it out. And he says to his man next to him, he says, where is Stark? And the man next to him says he was here a minute ago. And then he says, look for him. And then the two guys go running off and they say, let's go after me. And that's the that's the Urdu translation. Again, courtesy mm. of our friends over on Reddit who have helped me translate oh. a number of these oh. uh, bits. Well, that definitely helps. I thought he was coming in to ask about the air filters. <laughs> Did you get them changed? I can't breathe. I'm having a hard time. My allergies. My asthma is acting up. <laughs> I think one of my favorite discoveries in this whole moment of this particular minute and possibly of this whole film is as he tells his two men to go run, you see the two men disappear. But if you look very carefully, you can see a movie poster on the cave wall behind them. And that movie poster is actually a Russian Rambo poster. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I see it right now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's fantastic. Um, it is, uh, I was, I found this poster on a website. It is, uh, it has the Cyrillic text on it. It is the only Rambo movie that was released in the Soviet Union. They banned the second and third films as they were Vietnam's <laughs> greatest ally after the war. And they were mm-hmm. also pulling out of Afghanistan just a little over a week of the release of Rambo 3. Yeah, because Rambo 3 takes place in Afghanistan. Yeah. So I think that that's an interesting element that they chose to pick this particular poster because of the ties to Russia and Afghanistan. And uh, here we are. They've, they're fans <laughs> of, uh, of Stallone. Well, who isn't? It's, it's it's just fantastic, though. It's it's such a nice little uh, thing to add there, and it's got the title like written in blood up at the top of it. Yikes! Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so good. I like the idea that one of them is a is a movie buff. Yeah, I'd like yeah. to think so. I'd like to think so. And was let's see, was was uh, Rambo a, a Paramount picture? I guess it's technically. Uh, First Blood, right? Orion Pictures. So it was not Paramount that distributed the film, but I guess with the uh, collapse of Orion, it probably made it an easier movie poster to license. Huh. Well, we also have a um, a deleted scene here, guys. Yay! It's a cutaway of Rhodes. It is. You know, it's, it's actually interesting. Before we get to this scene, this deleted scene we're going to talk about of Rhodes, we actually have a scripted moment that I guess they didn't shoot. It is Pepper at Stark International Headquarters. She's in the hallway. She sees Obadiah and Rhodey talking, and they both look very grave, and she goes to talk to Rhodey, and she's like, so that's it. Everyone's pulling the plug and moving on. And Rhodey says, there's nothing left we can do. If there was any indication Tony was still alive. And then Pepper says, spare me. I read the official email, thought maybe you'd have something different to say. If anyone could figure out how to beat the odds, it's Tony. If it was you over there, he'd be finding a way to get you back or inventing a new one. Then Rhodey says, what do you want me to do? And Pepper says, be a better friend to him. And with that, she storms out, mm. leaving him stung. And then... We cut directly to this scene that we're going to talk about, this deleted scene with Rhodey actually going to get on the plane. And General Gabriel comes up and talks to him. 
I don't know. How does this scene play for you guys? Well, I, I feel like it's we don't want to be outside of Tony's experience. You know, um, it, it's great to know that his friends care about him. But I, I don't I, I want to be trapped in that cave until Tony gets out. Yeah, you know? I agree. And I also think it just plays a little confusingly because, of course, the general is like, you're making a terrible mistake. This is a very stupid thing to do. All of these other men would walk through fire to have your career and you're going to throw it all away to find your friend. And he's like, yeah, that's that's about it. That's what I'm doing. Um, (laughs) And the general's like, Godspeed, my friend is like, why does everybody? (laughs) What? (laughs) So confused. Yeah, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a. Scene yes, from my Michael yes. Bay movie, and it's like it's like a cliche, you know, that the general has to be like, "Why you can't possibly want to do this impossible thing?" Yes, I do. Well, I've always known you were going. What? Just say what you mean. Right, right. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's pretty terribly put yeah. together. And it's like at one point the general says, "Like, you want to go out in the desert and hang out with all the snake eaters or something like that?" We're just like, "Hey, whoa." Whoa. Right. Whoa, buddy. Ooh, that doesn't... That's uh, a, that's uh, a Harry Potter reference. <laughs> I don't think they were cool. snake eaters, were they? All that parcel tongue. Death eaters. <laughs> Death but eaters. the snake comes Death out of the eaters. mouth of the dark mark, so it's like he's... <laughs> You're right. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like they're eating a snake. He, he, he never read the books. He just saw the movies. <laughs> so it's a, he's just trying. He's trying. He saw them once. Right? He knows yeah. Rhodey's a fan. Yeah. He's trying to reach out to him in you know, his own language, <laughs> you know, trying to put it together. It's exactly like Nathan said, though, like you don't care what Rhodey's doing. Like you really don't care what Rhodey's doing to try and find Tony. You know, it's all about what Tony's doing to sort of save himself. I don't want Rhodey yeah. to get partial credit yeah. for just for traveling <laughs> over there. Yeah. And th- there's really just nothing that it gives you. And I-, I think there were some other scenes that we do have that were also cut when we jump back to different people, whether it's Pepper or, Rody and we get these ideas inevitably they were probably put there to just give us a sense of time as to how long he's gone because in the script Gabriel says listen son it's been three months without a single indication uh, so we're, we're getting a sense and I, I think that's in the deleted scene too we're getting a sense from that as to how long this has been going on it's a very long period of time mm-hmm. that Tony has been missing and kidnapped by these terrorists but otherwise it's just yeah you're right you don't need any of this it's just unhelpful and it it just it just i don't know it just it ends up playing really awkwardly it's a really awkwardly written Mm -hmm. scene and you know i love bill smitrovich as the general i think he has done a lot of great stuff but even when you're given really bad lines you just the greatest actor is still not going to be able to pull it off (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's it i don't have anything else for this minute what about you guys i'm excited to see what happens next i hope tony gets out of this can't wait (laughs) (laughs) we're getting close we're getting close 33 minutes into the movie he's still in the cave but inevitably he'll have to make it out right i mean come on i I don't know i'm so fond of this it's really nice yeah i hope he never gets out i hope he takes over the cave Guys, what's going to happen Who with knows? this movie? Anything, really. Rhodey could just show up and be like, I found you. Forget this whole suit thing. <laughs> Come with me. <laughs> Come back to the cave, everyone. I promise I'll be a great boss. I'd love to see 
down the road that Tony actually like buys this plot of land and, and makes the cave like <laughs> it's his own little fortress of yeah. solitude. He's got a place over there where he can just go. Relax. He needs to like get humble and remember his right. roots. Right. It's his rosebud. It's his, this mystery of <laughs> where does Tony go every year for the week of Christmas? And he just goes back to the cave and he pretends like mm-hmm. he lives there again. <laughs> and he pretends like he's the boss. Right. He sits at the video monitors. <laughs> Right. It's like risky business. He's just sliding around (laughs) on the socks. I'm in charge. I like that he does that because that means that he's also had to come in and actually polish the cave floors. (laughs) (laughs) At least one room. room. At least one. Right. Right. Crazy. All right. Thanks again, guys, for joining me. Where can people find you out in the interwebs? Yeah, so we do the the most excellent 80s movie podcast, which you can find on most excellent 80s pod on all the interwebs and wherever fine podcasts are served. Mostexcellentpod.com or search for most excellent 80s movie podcast. It's a lot of words. Sorry. So So many many words. words. So many words. Well, everybody, that is it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free over at marvelmovieminute.com. You can join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. If you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at patreon.com slash the next reel. Until next time, true believers. 